we know there are great fathers out there. You yeah. Know? It's kind of like when you see in ads where it's like, oh, hubby, don't put the baby in the dishwasher. <laughs> and you're just like, well, what? No one's doing that. Hello, I'm Jen Fricker. Hello, I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. And this is the Big Film Buffet. A podcast for pop culture fans and people looking for what to watch recommendations. Today, it's our main course and we're going to recommend you a Netflix film to pop on over the weekend. And of all the films to pop on over the weekend, we are talking about the Kevin Hart starring vehicle, Fatherhood. Excuse me. She's been, like, crying for hours. Sorry, but this is a group for new mothers. On that sign out there, it says parents. I'm a parent, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Girl's got some stuff flying out of ass, and she can either hit you with a streamer, or she'll buckshot you. It's a quick whop. So this new movie, Fatherhood, stars Kevin Hart as a new father who seemingly has a perfect life with his perfect wife, but then one day things do take a turn for the rather quite sad and his wife passes away after giving birth to their newborn daughter and now Kevin Hart, as the father, must decide to raise his daughter by himself despite his inner circle's doubts about whether he's actually up to the challenge. Yeah, it's based on the true story of the real-life Matthew Loughlin who wrote a memoir called Two Kisses for Maddie, a memoir of loss and love about losing his wife 27 hours after their child was born and dealing with the first year of uh, raising his daughter alone. On the topic of the book, when this film was first in development as an adaptation, it was actually Channing Tatum who was originally cast in that lead role. Obviously, that didn't work out. And now we have (laughs) Kevin Hart playing Matthew Loughlin. His uh, production company, Heartbeat Productions, took over. And it's interesting, you know, because most of the cast is black, um, which I feel like is like a very different take. And it has a very different kind of undertone than if we had seen like a movie starring Channing Tatum as a recently widowed father, you Mm. know. The cast is incredible. Alfred Woodard is like a standout as um, Marion, Kevin Hart's mother-in-law, I Yes, yeah. in this thing. We've got Lil Rel Howery as we historically stand on this. Oh, We've talked about him in Bad Trip, mm-hmm. in um, Good, Good Boys. Boys. <laughs> and now Fatherhood, he's around the whole gamut. Yeah. And then Anthony Carrigan's in it, who I love mm. um, from Barry. The HBO series with Bill Hader. Mm. Love that show. Love him in it. It kind of like hits this very specific tone of being like, I would almost say like a Sunday afternoon movie. Mm. I think you're going to find like the emotions that you're seeking to purge yourself at the end of the week. You're going to find some deep sadness, some kind of heartfelt moments, some challenging moments and some moments of watching Kevin Hart be challenged in rather humorous ways of trying to raise his daughter all by himself. Yeah, it's an interesting choice for Kevin Hart. I think, you know, it is, while there are like comedic moments Mm. in this film, it's definitely not a comedy. Mm. And so it's quite interesting to see him kind of step into this more leading man role. Who would you recommend this movie to? It definitely deals with some heavier type of things, but I think, honestly, I could see, like, a whole family sitting down and watching this on a Sunday afternoon, like you said. You know, there's elements of, like, what family is Mm. and chosen family. Like, you're bringing your friends in as part of your family and grief, you know. I think that's something that isn't quite covered with so much heart, Mm. for want of a better term. Yes, heart, (laughs) and we are spelling it H-A-R-T. But yeah, it's a, there's definitely moments in there which I'm like, I think everyone could get something out of this. I think so too. And it kind of is in like this tradition of 
single parent movies. Uh, you know, I think of one of my favorite movies, Big Daddy, which is also on Netflix. I would give that as like a one-two recommendation. Mm. And another film on Netflix I really like is a John Singleton directed film starring Tyrese Gibson, who is a baby daddy and it's called Baby Boy. It's a kind of great coming of later age movie if you will uh and almost like a follow-up to john singleton's boys in the hood yeah i mean i guess all those movies are kind of about men coming of age through the crucible of parenthood absolutely right yeah and i think we should add on the the idea of grief i mean not the same movie at (laughs) all but the babadook Wow, single-parent, grief-stricken movie. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Gender-reversed Babadook before all the spooky stuff happens. <laughs> it's interesting, like, the men are, like, coming of age in the wake of fatherhood, and that is their single-parent movies. But for, like, single-mother movies, mm. they're, like... Stuff like the Bubba Duck, like yeah, it's, yeah. It is interesting to note the difference, right? Like the movies that we're to- like been listing, like Big Daddy and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's all just like the main challenge of the movie is like, how is this guy gonna do this without a woman? Yeah. Whereas like a lot of single mum films are of oh, this single mum has to take down a drug cartel to survive or deal with a literal demon in her house. Fight literal evil that is seeping up from the floorboards. Totally. Like, it is interesting how we treat these stories between, like, yeah, mums Mm. and dads because, I don't know, sometimes I do feel like it's a bit reductive towards men to be like... (laughs) Oh, like, I'm just a guy. Like, how am I going to deal with this? When, like, we know there are great fathers out there, you yeah. know? It's kind of like when you see in ads where it's like, oh, hubby, don't put the baby in the dishwasher. <laughs> and you're just like, well, what? No one's doing that. Yeah. Do you think single dads, they don't get enough credit in cinema? I think the way we're used to the story being told is through this very, like, mm. oh, bleh. Like Underpants a man-child. Underpants on the head. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like a man-child movie. Like, I mean, Big Daddy is that. Three men and a baby and three men and a little lady. It's just like three hapless, like, comedic dudes. Yeah. Like, not knowing how to raise a child. They've got no woman in their life. And they're just like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, why don't we, like, act to the kid? We're all young actors. Let's sing at the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, you look at a movie like Erin Brockovich, mm-hmm. where it's like, in order to protect her children, she has to become, like, you know, part of the legal system and this huge class, like, action and that kind of thing. I don't know. I just, it is interesting. I mean, how do you feel about it as, like, a man, like, watching these movies? Well, I mean, I am not a father, so perhaps I would have a different... You know, the only thing I'm the father of is my beautiful little podcasts <laughs> and they raise themselves. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that like there is that thing of like the man child being like an accessible point in cinema mm. to like express like men still coming of age, like no matter what life they're living in, no matter what era in their life they're in. Yeah. And I think that is like a strong cinematic arc that mm. is kind of relatable because I guess it's like the two different ways of looking at it is like, yeah, parenthood is uh, one of the greatest challenges in life because you're bringing a whole nother person into this world. So you really cannot F it up. Mm. You cannot F it up. And 
the stakes of that are so high. I think there's like the two ways of going around it are like the comedic version and then the serious version. And through like the male lens of those things, even in the more serious version, it's still something like Kramer versus Kramer where they like have tantrum like arguments and they get stuck into it, but it still is this like kind of like failure to communicate or something like that. Mm. Or like revenge movies like Taken or something like that where you've got Liam Neeson like going out trying to find his daughter because she was going to see you 2 live on tour and then she got snatched up. Or even like movies really about finding love again. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that we see from like the single female point of view. Like even this movie, Fatherhood, uh, we've got Kevin Hart finding a new partner and like trying to start restart his dating life in some way. Yeah, maybe it's putting it too bluntly, but perhaps it's like movies about single mothers start with an idea that a single mother is enough to be a family. Mm. And maybe with like movies about single dads, we're kind of getting this idea that like they have to learn a lesson, they have to be a hero or they have to find love again before they can be a family for their children. Yeah. I also think it's just, you know, it's a very heteronormative Mm -hmm. way of looking at family. Just from a storytelling point of view, like there's this idea of women in refrigerators, right? Mm. Where so often like a woman has to die or be kind of uh, eliminated from the story before a man's heroic arc or journey begins. Yeah, it's like the kind of like for them getting their life together or for kicking ass or something like that. Yeah, and like the phrase women in refrigerators was a term that came from a writer called Gail Simone. I love Gail Simone. She's a great DC comic book writer. Yeah, she penned Birds of Prey. Oof, I love Birds of Prey. Yeah, and she was talking about an incident in Green Lantern in the comic books where Green Lantern comes home to his apartment and finds that his girlfriend has been murdered and stuffed in a fridge. Yeah. And then that's when he begins his hero's journey. Mm. And once you kind of know that concept, you start seeing it a lot in movies. Yeah. Obviously, fatherhood is based on a true story, Mm -hmm. so it's not exactly the same point. But I think it is interesting to notice that when you are engaging with films and Mm. culture in general – that it is quite often a trope that women have to die before a man learns a lesson. Yeah, it's kind of giving a character over to a plot point rather than any kind of their own agency. Yeah. And I think as well, it's like kind of used as a way to like present masculinity on screen as we're talking about it. Whereas like it is... always about like kind of softening the man like allowing them to like give into their emotions or something Mm. in these types of movies to allow them to feel these emotions something like that yeah like that something terrible has to happen before they can Mm. be connected with their emotions and again like i just find like maybe we're beyond that maybe we've moved beyond that as a culture I hope so. I'm quite an emotional fella. You are. This is why we love you, Alexi. Wow. Because I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah, (laughs) you do. You're a a creamy little dreamboat. (laughs) Jen, of all the cinematic daddies, who is your dream daddy, your father figure of film? My dream daddy. Hmm. Ah, you know, I can't say I haven't thought about this before because I have. And there's a very clear answer to me. Yeah. It's the dad and call me by your name. 
Whoa, Michael you know, Stuhlbarg father. Yes. First of all, what is going on with that family mm-hmm. where they're all just like, oh, let's read in French and yes. German and we'll holiday in Italy. Mm-hmm. I mean, no spoilers on the film, but there is a beautiful monologue. It's yeah. from the original source material of the book Call Me By Your Name. And it's basically a father reflecting on his life and his own experiences of love. And it is so moving and breathtaking and warm. Mm. I'm honestly tearing up just thinking yeah. about it. It's, it's such a beautiful cinematic moment. Mm. Um, can we buy your name on Netflix right now? Yeah, onions are being chopped in this room currently. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. But it's just such a beautiful moment between a father and his son and just a just an acknowledgement of his son becoming a person that yeah. he is proud of and oh. loves and understands. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think mine is in a similar vein as well. It's also a modern movie, maybe from the same time. Mm. Uh, I'm going with an actor called Josh Hamilton in the movie Eighth Grade. Bo oh. Burnham's Eighth Grade. I've not seen that yet. <gasps> I need to see it. Oh, you would love it. It's so good because it's about a young adolescent girl, about like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's a very awkward phase in her life. And Elsie Fisher plays the daughter. She's amazing in it. Great young debut performance. And then uh, Josh Hamilton, who's like an actor who was kind of like doing everyman type thing in the 90s. Uh, I hadn't seen him for a while. And... He is so good in this movie as playing like just a single dad who just like loves his daughter so much and just wants the best for her and is trying to like inspire her. But she just finds him so annoying because it's just like (laughs) it captures that perfect annoyance where like, you know, I have it so much now where like my mom loves me more than anything in the world. And then when I get a text from him, I'm like, just leave me alone. Just like throw my phone (laughs) across the room. And just it's that thing that never leaves you. But the way that he does it, and it kind of like culminates in a similar monologue where he's just like, I just think you're the coolest kid in the whole world. Aww. And she's just like, shut up, leave me alone, leave me alone. <laughs> One of the things I loved most about this movie is I think it has a truly tremendous supporting cast. Uh, you've got Frankie Faison, who we know is playing Barney in Silence of the Lambs and some <laughs> other great classic movies like Do the Right Thing. He's a real character that pops up in those. He plays the father-in-law of Kevin Hart. And alongside him is one of my all-time favorite actors, great character actress, Alfre Woodard, who is in First Contact, the Star Trek movie, and is also in Luke Cage yeah. playing Raya. Like, you know, we were talking about how this movie is just like a sweet Sunday afternoon type movie I anticipated that Mm. but what I did not anticipate from this movie is to see truly an all-timer performance from Alfre Woodard we absolutely have to like call out how good this performance Mm -hmm. is because yes this is a Kevin Hart star vehicle Mm -hmm. but the ensemble casting is so good and the scene where she's talking about Mm. what her daughter was like I actually did well up watching this scene Um, it really moved me because you're seeing an absolute master at work like Mm. she's a master actor she's been oscar nominated but i really think that this is like an extension of all the work that she's done before but the way that she kind of like communicates to her granddaughter her granddaughter's never met her own mother she's in her mother's childhood bedroom and she asks alfrey woodard like what was my mom like and the way alfrey woodard like plays this scene 
is just phenomenal acting because she's performing to the character in the film where she is trying to hold back tears. Mm. So she's almost creating like this like nice kind of sweet monologue up on the spot to kind of not break in front of her granddaughter. And it's played just, I I cannot overstate how perfectly this moment is played. That's it, right? It's something so craftful Mm. about someone watching an actor embody someone who is trying to be strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the actory instinct, like those big emotional mm. moment would to be like break down in a yeah. puddle and scream and mm-hmm. cry. But the craft of like showing that you feel that, but without doing it, yeah. it's like she nails it. And it's like such a gut punch. Like it's yeah. so beautiful. And it's not even obvious. It's like, it's not like she comes quivering close to breaking no. or something. It's in her eyes and, and just like the pacing of her speech. And yeah, she is just phenomenal. There's a movie called Crooklyn directed by Spike Lee. That's like a memoir film about his childhood. And she plays the mother in that film alongside Delroy Lindo. And I really feel like, her coming into the grandmother role in this film is an evolution of the work that she was doing there and to me that is one of my favorite performances of all time her in crooklyn is just phenomenal work and i never really thought that i'd get a taste of that very specific thing from her again and then it just kind of pops up completely surprises me in this movie this is kind of why i want to recommend this film this week because if you love seeing good acting if you love seeing like great performances from actresses that maybe did not get heralded as much as an all-timer this really is something to find. Yeah. This is a bit of a discovery here in this And it'll film. be one of those ones where, like, you'll see her in something else and you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this is the performance that will make you see her in everything. Absolutely. Here's another little one. She's Surabi in The New Lion King. Oh. There you go. Love you, Alfrey. Not live action, but action. Yes, I call it lie action. What, why is because that? it's not actually live action, but it may as well be. They're just lying to you about it. I call it lion action. Okay. <laughs> this movie also is marking this point, I think, for Kevin Hart, where he is moving beyond that comedic persona that we might know him from, you know, like Jumanji and, and those kinds of like comedies, mm. um, Night School. Yeah where he's moving beyond that comedic persona, that stand-up persona that he spent so long crafting. Mm. And now we're seeing him transition to that like serious actor moment. And you know, we talk about the Sandman a lot on Mm -hmm. this podcast, but it is a well-trodden path. Adam Sandler moving from his like obvious like, canon of comedic movies yeah like broad comedies like billy madison happy gilmore Mm. big daddy is like almost a transitional movie yeah 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 you start getting seeing the heart again i also think like when he gets more dramatic with stuff like rain over me where he is playing like a grieving father and widower it's like a bit of a tradition right where like the big comedic actor of that era transitions from comedic work to more serious dramatic fare i mean like Robin Williams is someone that was the most like truly wild type comedian known for a really wild and kind of erratic comedic persona. Then like moving to sweet dramatic stuff like Goodwill Hunting and winning an Oscar for it. Mm, Patch Adams. Oh, Patch. 
We love patch. The best medicine is laughter. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also really interesting. I don't know if you watched Kevin Hart's documentary series that's also on Netflix called Don't F This Up. Mm. But it kind of captures a moment in his career a few years ago where he is trying to build himself as a, a brand, as an establishment. It is very tactical for him. He's always wanted this, and I think that it's like... He, he pulls it off, I think. He is pulling off becoming this serious actor. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's this and the remake of that French movie Untouchables mm. called The Upside with him and Brian Cranston where Kevin Hart is now trying to broaden his horizons and become a more dynamic star. Yeah, I guess it kind of speaks to as well. Like you just don't want to get trapped in Mm. the same box forever. You can't be dunked on by The Rock forever. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get out from under The Rock every now and then. The Rock's shadow is too great. Absolutely. So you must do what The Rock cannot do, which is more tender fare perhaps. Tender movies of the heart. (gasps) Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Thank you for listening to us here on the Big Film Buffet. If you like what you hear, give us five stars and remember to follow us or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. This episode was hosted by Alexi Toliopoulos and me, Jen Fricker. Produced by Michael Sonner and Anu Hasbold. Edited by Jeffrey O'Connor. And executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Marnie. 